Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that now space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. At some point, we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do this show live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia, except for next Tuesday. I'm going to be over at the open mic event at Jack's in the Hub in Fremont. If anybody would like to assassinate me for the other content we do, that's where you could do it, although there would be a lot of witnesses there. Maybe not the best place. Uh, but if you are in the East Bay, head on out there. Melody and those people do a great job on that event. It's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, you can support this project by going to echoplexmedia.com and clicking on the support tab. There are a great number of ways to support this uh, project. Uh, my favorite being the swag shop. You can buy a hat like this one. It's a pretty popular hat. Many people, many, many people I heard are buying it. Anyway, I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. Hmm, that's crazy. <laughs> at T-H-E underscore councilman. Hey, start over. I, I lost your audio for a second there. Oh, sorry. Am I still there? Yes, you are. It was my fault. Excellent. Oh, no worries. Uh, well, with you as always is the councilman. You can find me on X and or Twitter uh, at T-H-E underscore councilman. Um, I'm trying to get a little more spicy there, so look for, for more tweets and more action uh, as the days progress. Um, but looking forward to a nice, uh, relaxing week off. I'll be putting my feet up, enjoying an easement to your backyard, and maybe even skipping into your pool while you're out doing your errands. So watch out for me. Yeah, look, out, look, out for, look out for the councilman in the greater Willow Glen area doing errands out there. Exactly. Maybe in the Greater Willow Glen area. Perhaps grooving out to whatever grooving out to whatever song's playing on the PA at the at the grocery store. Exactly. That's that's how I roll. That's how I roll, really. Um, loving those dad tunes. Uh, well what do we have for leading off tonight? Well, uh, this is bad news for San Francisco. Dreamforce is there, and that means Tony Robbins might be in San Francisco. And that means Hide uh, anyone who he might sexually harass and or sexually assault, allegedly. Uh, we'll see what the <laughs> local news has to say about Dreamforce. <laughs> well, San Francisco's biggest conference is back. Dreamforce set to begin hours from now. This is in the heart of the city. And some wonder if this may be San Francisco's final Dreamforce. Today in the base, Ginger Conahero Saab live for us. San Francisco's Moscone Center. And Ginger, how are things shaping up? Well, things it's are like I've been avoiding Tony Robbins. Get underway. There's a large cow here, Marcus. You're in and you're out. Dreamforce brings in tens of thousands of people you're in? right to the heart of downtown San Francisco. We're actually, you know, what used to be Howard Street, but now it's transformed uh, into, you know, this Dreamforce uh, area here. Um, and talking about the business impact of Dreamforce, that is quite significant for this area, the downtown area, and the city. But this year, there's also a lot riding on how smoothly this three day conference will go specifically after some bold statements from the Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff. In a recent interview with the Chronicle, Mark Benioff said if this Dreamforce is impacted by the current situation with homelessness and drug use, it may be the last Dreamforce in the city. There what do you mean drug use? The fuck it, there's so much cocaine flowing around in the fucking Dreamforce. Get the fuck out of here. It's probably the largest open air drug market in the city. <laughs> right. Well, you know, they're all in their hotel rooms and beyond as outside political groups and the national media are keeping close watch. One of those groups, the newly formed We San Francisco, is working to recruit community members ready for change. 
And the idea is a community-led movement. So if you were here in 2017, you know, the city was bustling, it was booming, and maybe you didn't have to get involved. But all of the people I talk to now who maybe weren't engaged in, 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 in the city, weren't involved in politics, now are like, we have to get involved. This is unacceptable, the current state of public safety, civic disorder, government accountability. Now, as far as the conference is concerned, there will be a lot of talk about AI and its impact on different industries. Among the speakers at this conference... There will be talks talk about the things we're doing to make the situation worse in every major city in the country. Open AI CEO Sam Altman, experts from Stanford University's Institute of Human-Centered AI, humanitarian Dr. Jane Goodall, celebrities Matthew McConaughey, Viola Davis, and Spike Lee, and San Francisco Mayor London Breed will also make a speaker appearance during the conference as well. Things will be uh, kicked, uh, will start at 10 a.m. this morning. Things kicking off with the keynote from Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff. We'll be closely monitoring that to see if, aside from AI, he will also make any other comments about how smoothly the conference is uh, going so far uh, and if this will be Dreamforce's last conference in San Francisco. That will begin at 10 a.m. as well as uh, a long list of things to look out for in the next three days. The Dreamforce concert happens tomorrow at Chase Center and that will feature the Foo Fighters. A lot of people looking forward to that as well. How exciting. Man, I hope Dave Grohl fucking talks shit on those motherfuckers at that conference. They're like, hey, uh, we have done a whole lot of things to contribute to wealth and income inequality in this great city of San Francisco. And if Mark Andreessen sees three pores, we're never coming back. Yeah, I don't. I don't see Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters um, using this as their opportunity to get on the soapbox um, and you know uh, and uh, express themselves. Uh, they're probably getting paid way too much uh, to to do that. Um, but should be a pretty good show, I would imagine. Yeah, so fun times if you can get them. Um, it you know, sorry sorry to hear that you know Benioff is thinking of moving Dreamforce out of San Francisco. I mean, is he moving? Salesforce out of San Francisco? Or are they moving out of the gigantic tower that he built and the uh, you know the, the the transit center that he helped to build um, and all of these other spaces because of the the crime and the rampant homelessness? Or is this just a lot of bluster and a lot of talk from people who have no idea what they're talking about? Right. I mean, what do they? Uh, my my question is, okay, what do they want to have happen? Right. Like we we're getting in, like got they got Ben Kaplan right. We're getting involved. Get involved, San Francisco. Get in the game. Right. What are they doing, right? Are they running for office? Are they lobbying City Hall? Are they taking to the streets? Are they getting together to, you know, clean up the neighborhood themselves, like go out on neighborhood watch? Like, what what exactly are you doing? I would love to know more about um, how you plan to save San Francisco other than, you know, watching the latest Big Ad Shaban, you know, investigative report. So... What, occur- what also occurs to me is they're like, oh, the, the homeless. And I'm like, do you know how much accrued wealth is at your fucking conference? You could house everyone in San Francisco, probably within the city limits of San Francisco, in their own apartment with the wealth there. And if you did it like on a pro rate system based on how wealthy everyone is there, most people wouldn't even fucking notice that they did it. More than likely true. Um, it, you know, and at the very least, you know, take the uh, enormous registration fees that you're paying for this event, right? And the the gigantic cow 
and the fairies and all this and you know maybe yeah spend it on something a little more productive than just coming together and and jerking each other off just a thought yeah this is like it's sort of like it's sort of like the ted conference meets like one of those like a amway conference right it's like the right. it's like the it's like the the pompousness of a ted conference but with a big kind of scammy mlm vibe where everybody's like yeah yeah somebody comes up there they're like fucking tony robbins immediately comes to mind just right just like inspirational speeches for people who are you know they've made their first 10 mil and how do i get to 50 you know it's like yeah. jesus fucking well, christ when is tony's keynote i might you know still skip up there for this i don't know if, is he speaking tomorrow mm. is, he, is it today uh you don't want to you don't want to know the price of a fucking ticket Oh, I, I could you know sneak in the back or something. I could talk to some you know some of the oh that'd be employees. fun sneaking, uh, sneaking into Dreamforce, get, then getting kicked out for not having a badge would be fun. Yeah, I, I mean, be... I know enough union organizers. I could probably find someone who could let me in from Unite here or one of the you know or SEIU maybe, depending on who's who's uh, working the the event. Remember that movie? Get him to the Greek. It would be like that, but it would suck. Get him to the geeks. <laughs> get him to the geeks. <laughs> so uh we got winners and losers next where there are no winners except the people you weren't rooting for and i wonder how many how much crossover there actually is between our uh leading off story and our first story in winners and losers how many people from california forever are going to be at Dreamforce? Mm, that's a fantastic question um i mean i think at least one right um, for sure, but uh, probably probably quite a bit of crossover. The Venn diagram is is probably substantial. I would yeah, say. yeah. I mean, well, it's like a it would be like a small circle within the giant circle of Dreamforce. But anyway, let's see what's going on with California Forever and their negotiations with local leaders. I hope some one of them local leaders just tells these people to go fuck themselves. I hope that's <laughs> that's how I hope this ends. I hope it ends with Mark happen. Andreessen doing like a five hundred tweet. Uh, thread about the mayor or of some small town we've never heard of who won't who won't give him any permits. This is this is all I want for this. Anyway, let's see what the local news has to say about this. It is bold. It is massive. Those words. Those are the words people are using to describe plans to build a utopian city in the North Bay. Tonight, we're hearing a lot more from the man who's spearheading it. These are renderings of this new city, the company are, called California Forever. That's like AI did that. Bought up hundreds of right. thousands of acres of land in Solano County. The CEO of the company is now meeting with leaders in the county to try to ease fears and gain support. Here's NBC Bears, Jody Hernandez. We've recently purchased a home and we'll be moving in soon and we're excited to be doing the project locally and, uh, and, and living it here every day. California Forever CEO Jan Shermack says his plan to build a new city in Solano County is taking on new meaning. He's bought a home in the county, so what impacts the region will impact him too. Yeah, but how many homes does he own and does he, is he going to live up in fucking Fairfield or what the shit ever? Like... And where is this home, and how is it going to appreciate once they build Tectopia? You know, like, he's, it's not like he's like, uh, if this isn't some sort of like, oh, I'm investing in the community. It's like, yeah, you're investing, exactly. You're going to make some money off of it, right? It's not, he probably, this Jan probably <laughs> owns, like, multiple homes in many places throughout the world, right? 
Um, and he'll visit this one, you know, occasionally as they're building out and doing this stuff and having to meet with city officials like the mayor of Fairfield. But yeah, this, this, I mean, God, this guy looks like, doesn't he look like the epitome of what you would expect the CEO of this group to look like? You know what? I wish we had like a like million, the writer's strike, we'd have to honor the writer's strike and wait, but I wish we had a bunch of money to like do a sitcom about this thing before it even comes to existence. It oh, would man, be it would be the best sitcom, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be so funny. It would be sort of like uh, Parks and Rec meets Silicon Valley. It'd be very right. good. It's already got a name, California Forever. I mean, how could you can't, can't do much better than that, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if they would. It's a TV show, so I don't know if they could really get us for copyright infringement since it's their, you know, it's they're not doing purpose. a TV show, right? Since it's an entirely different purpose, and oh, we we just came up with it on our own. <laughs> um yeah but this guy like i don't know um timothy hutton would have played him maybe 30 years ago but now uh maybe ryan gosling yeah ryan gosling say uh it's, it's going to be personal and i know that there's concerns about traffic but if we cause traffic then um, i'll be sitting in the traffic and so it's not going to be someone running it from new york or somewhere else shremek has been holding nearly non-stop meetings with politicians over the past week trying to win them over and quell fears i would say we've been delighted at the meetings i think that people are glad that we are no longer quiet about it they are glad that it's not the chinese and I would say that there's a lot of <laughs> like which people because they are racist. I don't know about this. Like, I feel like who's he having these meetings with? Like, who's showing up? The mayor of Fairfield, obviously. We'll find <laughs> out. Let's see. Let's see. If there's some some action in the second half of the book. The press makes it sound like right now it's a big fat no with me still. Fairfield Mayor Catherine Moy yeah. this morning. She says, "Go, Catherine." Details about his plans and the obstacles he'll need to overcome, including getting water to the new city. They're talking about they're going to make things so um, environmentally sound out there that they will have to use 45% less water than a normal city. So that's what they're betting on, and also capturing rainwater. They said we do have both. Oh, the libertarian dream of capturing your own rainwater. <laughs> Sounds like Catherine is a little bit sus on I wonder, Techtopia. I wonder if they're going to try to change the age of consent out there, too. Rights <laughs> in the area. And the most important part of this is we will be designing the community in a, in a very sustainable way. Among the land they're acquiring with water rights, 2,200 acres of almond orchards they're in the process of buying. Actually, that it's not that hard to use less water than an almond orchard, if I'm being completely honest here. <laughs> they're, they're setting the bar pretty low is located right near the Travis Air Force Base runway. That's raising eyebrows, but Shremek insists... That's great when we have to invade the, we have to invade them when they try to secede, it'll be easy. ...will not right. disrupt base operations. We are not looking to do anything in the Travis Reserve area that would be incompatible with the mission of the base. Uh, and we are definitely not looking to put any homes or community anywhere close to the Travis. And once again, we are not Chinese. <laughs> They're not trying to fucking raise their own army. Right. and Vacaville out today. You know, I was born of this dirt and they're going to put me in the dirt here when I die. And I said, until that time, I'll be here looking at you. The mayor says she's going to keep close yeah. tabs on the project. And while charming, she says he's got a long way to go to build trust. <laughs> she says Shremek did confirm he plans to be the first to live in the new city if and when it becomes a reality. I asked him if he was going to live in that area. And he said, yes, I'm going to move into the first house. Are you just as excited about this project uh, now that you've met with leaders? 
Oh, I'm much more excited. I think that the, the um, we've always felt that once we start talking to people and they see that we are committed to the community and uh, and it's going to be run here locally and uh, uh, we are not Chinese. It's, it's all American. And it's Whoa! <laughs> well, okay. we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that on the on the other side. Okay. Well, it, so so real quick. Uh, I mean, yes, racism, but uh, on top of that, there there is, um, and it's it's grounded in racism. It's definitely grounded in racist tropes. There's a, I don't know what you'd call it, a narrative going around about Chinese nationals buying you know tons of property in the united states and just sitting on it right and sitting on vacant homes uh you know here and elsewhere around the bay area um while people you know live on the streets and yada 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 so there's already this narrative out there about that so that's more than likely that's where that particular threat is coming from but again it does come from a grounding of racism obviously um and it does not sound all that hot when it comes from jan with his his very strong eastern european accent right <laughs> well, it's, it definitely doesn't call up very very pleasant images at all <laughs> so that I, I think they might need a pio like he's the cio they might need a public information officer or a public image officer that might be someone they want to hire up next because <laughs> Jan, Jan should not be giving the interviews with his open collared shirt and his his uh his ryan gosling hair and his uh yeah and his his tennis shoes they should get someone more charming like mel gibson to do their publicity for them <laughs> like my hey. god <laughs> Sylvester well, Stallone, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Mel, Mel would be available, right? I'm sure he's not doing much of anything right now, except for like the odd, you know, cable, you know, uh, network biography of you know John the Baptist. I don't know. <laughs> oh my! Anyway, ten ten parts. Oh no! Every part featuring Mel. The 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 only upside of this is one: if they build this, they might. Um, if they were to if it were to like drop out of the sky today, they might be able to like get Mayor Ed two oh nine up there. And so yeah, they I mean, might be able to elect a new mayor. That would be the only that, like the only good thing, really. He might need to. I mean, he has a couple of kids like housing is getting so expensive here and the mayor doesn't make what they used to. So, you know, it's, it's or at least the money doesn't go as far as he used to. So he might have to think about that um, both, uh, you know, either during his term or after his term. OK, getting on dodge. But um, he won't be able to get around very far without Bart. Right. Um, and unfortunately, you know, as we discussed last week, this new project is not going to be funding, you know, more than likely any sort of improvements to public transit, right? Or, or uh, increasing ridership on top public transit. It's going to be all uh, tech bros and their, their people movers, right? Um, but Bart nevertheless moves on and is uh, updating their fleet and now announcing some new changes that are hopefully going to improve ridership. But we shall see. Are they winners or are they losers? Riding Bart will look different starting Tomorrow morning, the agency is making changes aimed at boosting ridership. Bart says those changes will mean shorter wait times and more service on nights and weekends. NBC Bay Area's Christy Smith breaks down what you can expect moving forward. At the Walnut Creek BART station, some riders were looking forward to service changes that will affect their ride. The fact that they're going to come a lot like sooner, perfect for me. It's the biggest service change BART has had in a couple of years. And the big thing that we're doing is greatly increasing service on weekends and on evenings. Um, right now, weekend and evening service is every 30 minutes, and that's going to change to be every 20 minutes. So there will be no more 30-minute waits on BART any time of day, any day of the week. It's going to be a big improvement. 
One of BART's directors, Rebecca Saltzman, says this is where there's an opportunity What a cute shirt. A lot of transit agencies are looking at changes, knowing that ridership patterns are just changing. For so many of us, uh, ridership was dependent on that nine to five commute and the world has changed. And so we have to change with it and go where the riders are. Saltzman says weekend ridership has grown more quickly. It's between 60 and 70 percent of pre-pandemic ridership, where weekday ridership is just above 40 percent. The change also comes with a big boost for riders on the yellow line. They're going to get increase in weekday service as well because those trains have been crowded for a while now um, and the trains have been running every 15 minutes so now they're going to run every 10 minutes. As I'm out in Antioch so going straight on the yellow line in San Francisco and that's the line they're improving on it really helps. Changes also include eliminating 30-minute wait times on nights and weekends, a 50% increase in evening service seven days a week, reduced wait times tied to new scheduled transfers. Trains will run shorter to enhance safety and cleanliness. On-time performance and better reliability is expected during the peak commute. SFO and Oakland airports are expected to see improved service. I would think that it would make a difference to a lot of people instead of like having to rush and miss it and then have to sit here for 25 minutes for the next part. Besides service changes, you'll notice a change to the cars you're riding. Today is the last day the legacy trains will run regularly. Pretty much every train riders will get on starting tomorrow will be one of the fleet of the futures. Christy Smith, NBC Barrier News. But no talk oh. of extending the times on Fridays and Saturday nights. Like that's extending those times would be huge i don't i don't know if it would make the transit agencies more money but extending that to like two in the morning would be huge yeah it's surprising to me that it doesn't go that late already at least like a train like yeah fine every half hour okay i mean at two o'clock in the morning i'll take it you know if it's if i gotta get in a train at 2 30 right I, if i'm staying out until two i'm not really all that concerned about how quickly i get home i don't I mean, most people aren't, I would imagine. Well, I mean, you'd, <laughs> you'd rather it be more convenient than less convenient. But, but if you oh, don't sure. have to, but if you don't have to drive to an event, that's great. Yeah, I'm not, I'm feeling that and I'm not, I'm not complaining if I have to, even if I had to wait a half hour. So um, I guess there's, there's some winners here uh, in, you know, in terms of just more uh, frequent service. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, winner in terms of the new cars. Great. I don't know if they can ever solve the damn you know, squeaky wheel sound. <laughs> I think that's just a Bart thing. Um, so we're just have to deal with that forever because they just are different kinds of cars and most trains. Um, so there's there's mostly winners here, and not many, not many losers yet. I guess we'll find out more. But I agree. Let, let's get let's get it going later. Like that's frequency. Let's try to extend the hours and and, and get more people to places they need to go when they want to go there. Like. <clears throat> What I what I would like to see for BART and for light rail in San Jose, even if they stop like regular service at midnight, have mm -hmm. like one last train that you can get home that like if you're in downtown San Francisco, if you're at the station, if you leave the club yeah. at two, as long as the club's yeah. reasonably close to the station or whatever, you get on the train at 220, 230. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it takes you takes you a while to get home, but have some time transfers so that you can kind of get anywhere in the system might take a while or whatever, but like have one last train, call it the shame train because it's a shame. You got to go home. Yeah. But, and you got to like, you know, it's a, uh, it's the, it's the, you got, don't have to stay here, but you, you know, can't, or, sorry, you, can't, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. That train, uh, 
maybe 15 minutes after closing, right? You, you got to race to BART. You got 15 minutes. Everyone's got 15 minutes. Down your drinks. But I mean, if the club closes <laughs> at two, they do last call at 1.30 and everybody's out by one forty-five anyway. True. Yeah. So yeah, make it 15 minutes after closing. Or 20 and minutes, you know, not, or have it leave the there. end of the line at like 2.15, right? Wherever yeah, if, it's if going not, from. Yeah, yeah. If you're not there, you know, tough titty toenails. There's a, there's a, the, the, when there's a ball game or a, you know, a basketball game up at, at, uh, up in San Francisco, the, the last Caltrain, there's a, a Caltrain that will leave no matter what time the game ends, um, 15 minutes after the end of the game. So, right. right. Or approximately 15 minutes. If they see people uh, are still lined up to try to get, they're not just yeah, going to leave. They, no, not at all. I've never been left, um, by Caltrain before. Yeah. Actually I've been up on the peninsula for other reasons and, uh, knew there was a game that night and was able to actually hop on that at a, you know, I think it only stops in a few places, but I was able to catch it. I think at Burlingame one time and that was super cool. Cause I thought it was, I thought it might be stuck in Burlingame. Yeah. There's an express that uh, goes all the way to San Carlos from San Francisco uh, without stopping. Um, or at least there used to be, I don't know if there is one now, but that's always nice. Cause honestly, I mean, now that they're electrifying Caltrain, it's going to be different, but riding the, the, you know, diesel Caltrain, it's an hour and a half from here to from the South Bay to San Francisco and and same thing coming back. So uh, with all the stops, so it, it can be a little painful. That's a long ride. Whereas BART, you know, now from Berryessa to San Francisco is less than an hour. Yeah, because that thing hauls ass. Yeah, and less stops too. And it's electrified so it can go a lot faster into the stations. Whereas the Caltrain, it has to slow down and take a lot longer slowing down because it's working on a you know, combustion engine. Um, just like just like driving your car, right? Um, takes a while to you know, uh, to slow down, uh, whereas like a hybrid or an electric actually speeds up and slows down pretty quickly. So I believe this next one we're following up on a story from last week. Is that is that right? Yeah, indeed, or at least following up, uh, just keeping tabs on it. Um, so there's been some, you know, a little bit of violencia um, coming back from a summer vacation in some schools in San Jose. So uh, some folks are feeling a little unsafe. Um, so we're going to keep tabs on it. We, we, we tend to feel this is, uh, I think, what happens at high school um you know shit goes down um and more than likely there was a reason for it it wasn't just some haphazard thing but um again doesn't prevent folks from feeling unsafe so they voiced those concerns to the school board and we're going to hear about where things are headed teachers and students in san jose spoke directly to school district leaders about why they don't feel safe at school and this comes after several incidents oh, the guns one where two students were stabbed ktvu's james torres is in san jose right now to tell us about a really emotional meeting last night good morning james Dave, good morning to you. We're talking about the East Side Union High School District here in East San Jose. Many incidents were talked about, including where strangers were driving on a school campuses, people who spoke at last night's meeting, though mostly addressed a stabbing that happened last month. Now, that happened at James Lake High School in mid-August. Last night, the district held a safety and security meeting, and for more than two hours, students and teachers made their voices heard. Many frustrated for feeling unsafe at a school, a place that they say they call a sanctuary for students to learn and grow. Several students stepped up to the podium, but we heard from one calling attention to why safety and security has been a problem over the last few weeks. 
A teacher was hospitalized by a student who didn't attend James Lake while she was trying to report the problem. There was a fight that resulted in two students being stabbed and hospitalized by students who did not attend James Lake. A girl overdosed in the girls' bathroom and countless fights breaking out nearly every week. The Eastside Union High School District says it has made some changes before the school year to enhance safety. At each campus, it added campus monitors, administrators for student support, and transition classrooms for students entering high school. The district does not use school resource officers. Now, along with the stabbings at James Lick, last, uh, last week, the district has also dealt with threats to Yerba Buena High School. The district says it is working with San Jose police to investigate each of those incidents. We're live this morning in San Jose. I'm James Torres, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Hi, James. So, I mean, I don't know enough about what's going on here, but it seems like right at the beginning of the school year, some shit popped off that shouldn't have popped off. It seems like uh, most of it was from out people outside of the school gaining access to the school when they shouldn't have. Um, yeah. I don't see any reason why uh, it would be a problem for a school to make it harder for like you or me to gain access to that school. We're not up to anything or whatever, but what the fuck, you know what I'm saying? doesn't matter who you are. Sure. If you, if you don't have any business there, you shouldn't fucking be there during the school day. I know like sure. a lot of these schools, like when school's out, people use the field and the basketball courts and stuff, almost like a park. And that's fine. Whatever. I mean, that may, may come with its own set of problems, but that's different than what's going on during the school day. And, um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully they do figure out a way to control access because I'm like, I'm not just thinking of like the, these incidents that happen. I'm thinking about, you know, when sometimes when outside people uh, enter the school when they're not supposed to, you have incidents like Parkland, right? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, again, with Parkland and with a lot of other school um, mass shooting incidents, there are students at the school <laughs> that are perpetrating those those crimes. And yeah, they're, they're nothing to nothing to laugh at, nothing to scoff at. And these are you know, this is the kind of shit you want to try to prevent right um the question becomes okay so how do you control campus right what do you what do you do what what are we talking about we're we talking about checkpoints are we talking about more people out you know more staff that we uh, that we can't afford to pay out monitoring you know all points of the school um high schools are very large it's there are a lot of access points there you know and if you put someone in one doorway, you know, if someone really wanted to get on campus, they'd find another way. Cause these are just really large. I live right across from one. They're very large campuses and it would be virtually, they have, you know, they have uh, administrators in, you know, golf carts, they have police, they have uh, security officers, they have teachers on patrol. And yet, you know, I still see kids, you know, running on and off campus, going to grab a snack, you know, when they shouldn't be doing that, you know, during class hours. Um, so it's, 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 I, I agree with you. I think that it, we should do more to, or, you know, you, sh you should not be able to get on campus if, unless you have a reason to be there. Um, but from experience, it's just that there's a laundry list of things you could try to do and not all, none of them on their own and even all of them, and I agree, aren't going to solve um, for all of the situations. And a lot of this is just, this happened, you know, beginning of the school year, oftentimes you see this kind of stuff pop off because there's just a lot. It's like a, a pot that's been left to boil over the summer you know, and now everyone's back at school and everyone's back in, in these spaces where they're a little more vulnerable. They can't just, you know, at home or with their family or, you know, somewhere else. They're all where anyone knows how to get them, you know. Um, so things pop off. Um, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but um, 
yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I just wish there was a better solution um, uh, for it, right? And I, I wish we were. I wish we were a more peaceful society. Period. <laughs> well, and I, I imagine too, like you know, just um, the fact that it's kind of hot out. There's like more, you know, you can violent crime across society when it gets real hot out. There's like more violence and. Like maybe, you know, at a high school, some of the kids that had beef with each other, it might've been stewing all summer long and they run back into each other and they're going to, you know, get into fights, you know, all, I mean, all yeah. kind of stuff, you know, we're dealing with, you know, just even take the, uh, people who with not gaining, you know, not being able to gain access out of it. We're dealing with teenagers. It is a volatile yeah. time in people's lives. Yeah. And judgment is not necessarily, you know, all that great. Um, and you know, nowadays our youth have less and less things to do to occupy their time, to occupy their minds, to give them some sort of release, right? Um, most of it's online through social media. There's, there's just so such a dearth of places to go and socialize um, and, and to just be around other kids and to, to sort of normalize it, right? And normalize the diversity of our community. But, uh, and one of them uh, is now shutting down, unfortunately. So they're going to have even less place to go on the east side. Um, are you familiar with Raging Waters, Producer Dave? Yes, um, I have some thoughts about why it. it, it, it I, there's ways in which I I find it to be rather unappealing, but we'll I'll talk about those after after this news hit, if that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Let's do it. A South Bay Park's bitter announcement, hoping not to leave behind a bad taste. The value in the land is that now the city gets to turn to its long-established master plan for parks. A San Jose State urban and regional planning professor says whatever replaces raging water should be useful to the entire community. Hello again, everyone. I'm Julie Hayner. And I'm Mike Meback. Officials with the water park announcing it is closing permanently. KTVU South Bay reporter Jesse Gary explains what could be in store. For decades, it had been a South Bay staple of summer. Now, Raging Waters theme park is poised for a quick exit into history. Well, I have fond memories, cherished memories, um, and uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a sad day, it's, and, and it's quite frankly, it was surprising to the city. Park officials say the closed signs currently near the front entrance at the conclusion of this season are permanent. In a statement to Fox 2 Thursday, they say, as part of normal business practice, we continue to evaluate our portfolio each year. After this evaluation, we have decided to not renew our land lease with the city of San Jose. The business-driven decision is a blow to area residents who say the park provided more than just entertainment and an escape from the South Bay heat. A lot of my students work there, so it's really unfortunate because we don't have a lot in this area that provide you know, a family unit. Raging Waters sits on 23 acres in East San Jose and has since the 1980s. Now the debate is on here at City Hall and beyond on how that site, which is zoned for open space, can be reimagined for everyone's use. This is not and should not become an economic development mm. play. San Jose State Urban and Regional Planning Professor Kelly Snyder says the new vision for the park should be another park that everyone can enjoy, from roller skating to pickleball and everything in between. Pickleball. Pickleball. They should fill uh, it with pickleball courts just as a shot across the bow of those fucking assholes in San Francisco. Piece of concrete to roller skate on, that's a five-year decision. It's cheap and fast, and we can do it right now. I want uh, safe, accessible, 
um, and uh, opportunities for the community to gather and create stronger neighborhoods. City staffers are soliciting ideas for what comes next, but there's no time frame for when the free flow of ideas will need to solidify into a course of action. In East San Jose, Jesse Gary, KTVU Fox 2 News. So <clears throat> there's a couple Speak. reasons that I think the place is unappealing. Um, I'm just going to tell you, and I know it sucks because like we have, um, you know, problems with water, but there, there's just dirt and concrete. Like it looks like shit. Um, that was <clears throat> bef uh, for a couple years. We were out there um, on uh, Saturday afternoons into the evenings, like had a little, a little, we were doing a little uh, party there. Actually, we were being paid to, a couple DJs were being paid to, pretty well, actually to go out there and, it got, you know, people were, people were interested, people were dancing and stuff, but it was uh, from an, like from an event space standpoint, I just noticed a lot of things that I thought were unsafe there. Um, it just, it, it seemed, it, it just seemed like a lot of fucking hard surfaces. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, I know that's a weird way to like, look at it, but I know you can't just have lush green grass all summer, but like all that fucking dirt just looks like shit. And I think like people didn't really want to go there. Yeah. It's been around for 40 years. I mean, since I was a kid, it's a little, I don't think it's really been upgraded since then, frankly, all that much. Right. It's pretty much the same stuff, same materials, same uh, slides, same spaces that, you know, they put up 40 years ago. So it's also a little grimy and run down. Yeah. And it's in concretey and, bland and been bland jose right um so I, yeah i I, I completely understand why they're suffering in terms of attendance and it will be good i think to to rethink and re-envision the space um but i you know hearing all the politicians and the urban planners and kelly and everyone talking about um you know what comes next it it's just it's so amusing to me because all it's going to be is just a bunch of painful community meetings and back and forth and political gamesmanship and people running for office using the community as pawns and saying, Oh, I'm going to do that. We're going to do this and that and the other thing here. And it's going to be fabulous. Right. Um, and I've got the plan to do it. Right. But you know, and nothing really ever gets done and it's like 20 years down the road and we're still looking at that same concrete dirt, you know, palace. Um, only it's vacant and had, won't, won't have been used for 20 years growing a bunch of weeds. Right. And still nothing getting done. So maybe I'm cynical. Call me the councilman. I'm cynical, um, but it, that's sort of what I envision coming down the pike. And it's the same. And I, it's I only say that because we've seen this movie before with the fairgrounds, right? We've been talking for decades about what to do with the fairgrounds, right? While it sort of de de deteriorates before our very eyes, um, and yet people, you know, there's still the desire for something. And we just can't seem to get it done. So I'm not very hopeful for what comes next to Raging Waters. And I agree with you that I it, it's obvious, it's visually obvious why um, it lost its luster, right? Right. And like I said, I just, and I can't kind of recall immediately, but I do remember like, like the third year they wanted us to come back. I just didn't want to go back. Like mm -hmm. it was hot. There was not a lot of tree. There was not a lot of trees. And I mm -hmm. just, there were just, there were ways, there were just safety concerns. There were like, I remember, like, I remember them running us power and the power running across a place where there was water. 
And I was like, well, whatever, this it's, isn't my equipment, but what the fuck? Like, I just, it was, it was just little stuff like that where they clearly didn't have their shit together. And like one of the things a place like that has to offer if they're going to survive in like our modern times, they have to offer events, something for the, something for adults. Speaking of which. Oh, speaking of something for adults, maybe they could have done that. Maybe they, I, I mean, partner up, partner up, <laughs> partner up. So apparently, um, well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna let this one ride. Actually, let's, this is uh, for adults, for, uh, adults only, adults only. A new place to party two days after eviction, a tenant neighbors say turned a San Jose townhouse into a strip club may have found a new location, allegedly without the property owner's permission. Good evening, I'm Ama Dates. I'm Larry Beal. Thanks for joining us. ABC 7 News I-Team reporter Melanie Woodrow broke this story last week, has been following it ever since. What's the latest? Larry and Ama, the property owner of this new location, tells ABC 7 News he had no idea this type of activity might be happening on his property until we showed him an invitation to the party. Video posted publicly to social media on what appears to be Fresh's account sometime between Friday night and the early morning hours of Saturday appears to show exotic dancers inside a club. It's not clear where this video was taken, but the ABC 7 News I team obtained a text sent by Fresh's phone number that same night announcing a private party from 1.30 to 4.30 a.m. at a location on Alum Rock Avenue in San Jose. $10 stakes find parking anywhere, then call and list Fresh's number. It boasts 10 plus fresh exotic dancers, $10 lap dances, 20 to party before 2 a.m., 150 plus bottles, 300 for 1942 Don Julio. And $5 for two tacos. In addition to food for sale and the promise of good vibes and thick thighs. I got in touch with the property owner of the address listed in the invitation, who told me he had no knowledge whether this activity was taking place on his property. After talking with his tenant, he told the I-team his tenant rented the space to someone named Fresh for $500 for a private party that he was planning for his aunt's birthday. By phone, Fresh told the I-team he didn't know anything about that. The party came the day after a sheriff's deputy put an eviction notice at a townhome on Camille Circle, where residents had complained for months their neighbor was operating an all-night strip club from inside the townhome every weekend. The I-team spoke with Fresh, who says the parties are private for friends and family only. He denies charging anyone for entry, alcohol, food, or to dance. Fresh also told the I-team he's still staying in another unit at Camille Circle and that the private parties will continue, but with the music turned down so that neighbors aren't bothered. San Jose's deputy of code enforcement tells ABC 7 News potential criminal activity and code violations associated with this case are currently being investigated and that San Jose Police Department is the lead department in the investigation. San Jose PD tells the I-team the investigation Money is ongoing. On the, the party's host again emphasizes these are private parties for friends and family, but about this new location, he told me he knew nothing about it. So <laughs> if I was doing such a thing, it would be private, but I don't know anything about the thing you're asking me about. See, I was out of town when this shit happened. <laughs> yeah, but so, like, well, if kids are looking for something to do, I mean, look no further. This right, looks right, like the thing. Right. But I mean, this, uh, uh, this is, and I don't know if it, this is one of those cases here, but this is one of those things where if, if you can't get a permit to do something like this, you're probably going to, if this is your business, you're probably going to find a way to do it without a permit. Um, this is how like the rave scene came to be a giant right. thing for a, a quite some time is the, the, you know, 
clubs and bars didn't want to have the uh the, the kinds of people who maybe weren't drinking so much alcohol because of the other things they were consuming mm-hmm. and like you couldn't like rent a hall the hotels weren't interested mm-hmm. and um well it just goes underground and something like this in a place like san jose yeah like a nice townhouse i mean that's it's got private rooms well hopefully it don't lead to you know any shit like a whatever the ghost ship or whatever whatever but uh we shall see uh, all right. Well, who needs to get their shit together this week, producer Dave? It's the same. It's the it's the tower, and um, More, yeah. I, I, I I there's some claims here that well, let's just say I remain highly skeptical of, and I hope our favorite uh hope our favorite civil engineer uh is on Mr. Hamburger. I hope Mr. they got Hamburger. Mr. Hamburger, the Hamburglar. I'm just looking for Hamburger. Is it Ron Hamburger? I think it's Ron Hamburger. I hope. Yes, tilt, tilting expert Ron Hamburger. If they don't have Ron Hamburger in this story, this story sucks. Here, here it is from NBC Bay Area. It's been more than two months since the Millennium Tower was bolstered to bedrock on two sides. Data shows it worked. The troubled luxury high-rise is not sinking any further. The reality is the Millennium Tower could be tilting the way it is now forever. Investigative reporter Jackson Vanderbecken has the exclusive story. New data shows the Millennium Tower is now supported on two sides and has finally stopped sinking and tilting. That's a major accomplishment, says one internationally recognized engineer. I would say the building is stalled and and, uh, from... You're no Ron Hamburger. That was their primary objective. But tall buildings... It's actually the the dude who's doing uh, California Forever. That's that guy's dad. ...says there's also (laughs) bad news. Their objective of correcting uh, the tilt to a significant extent, I fear uh, that uh, expectation has not been met. Millennium engineers relying on this elaborate computer model predicted as much as four inches of tilt reversal occurring continuously over the first six months after jacking. That's the process of transferring some 18 million pounds of the tower's weight onto the new support piles. But the latest monitoring data suggests the early progress has all but stopped. After initially reversing three quarters of an inch of tilt in just nine days, you could see weeks have gone by with little or no progress since the end of jacking. Pula suspects tilt recovery peaked right when jacking was done. Unless you were magic. Could you just say jacking like six more times, please? <laughs> I really need to hear it. <laughs> ...able to, to jack the building up further. We significant. I got a soundboard request from the uh, chat. We don't usually do this during the fucking show, but here you go. Go into a hotel and whack off somebody. Tilt the building. <laughs> that could leave the tower permanently tilting 29 inches, as measured at the northwest corner of the roof. While Millennium officials acknowledge there has not been as much tilting and settlement improvement as the model predicted, they told us, given the many assumptions and simplifications inherent in such analyses, they see the match between the measured behavior and the analysis as excellent. The city doesn't appear concerned either, telling us at least the fixes stopped the problem from getting worse, and any recovery is welcome news, but is not the primary objective of the retrofit and will be expected to occur gradually over time. If it turns out there is no further long-term recovery, a 90-foot high underground wall we first told you about last year may be to blame. 
it's buried right underneath the higher side of the foundation that needs to sink if the tower is going to straighten even a few inches. Millennium officials say their model predicts the wall will itself sink along with the foundation over time. In San Francisco, Jackson Vanderbecken, NBC, Bay Area News. So it, I mean, it, it looks like it did like tilt back a little bit. And if you saw that graph, it was trending upwards slightly. So maybe they were just wrong on the time frame. Oh, but I'm fucking, I remain skeptical. Very sus, very sus. And we'll see if it has truly stabilized. I mean, houses settle, right? Even like our little ranch style single story house is still settling and it's been here for 70 years. So, uh, who knows? Um, I'm sure that, the, but I, 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 you have to think that it would have been wise to, for them to have hired people who are very smart and know, know what they're doing with big buildings like this to figure this kind of shit out then, right? Like I'm sure the general contractor who worked on my house was not, you know, some sort of genius, but the folks who work on buildings like this, when there's so much money involved and so much uh, you know, at stake, you would think that they would hire people who could figure this out the first time, but no, Instead, it's cost cutting. It becomes, yeah, it make, and becomes fodder for down ballot. I mean, we've we've probably banked like half of our ep. If you total it up, maybe like half of our episodes have been about the Millennium Tower. <laughs> so you know, uh, yeah, it, it's it's great fodder for us. But at, at some point, we we'll probably get tired of, of talking about it. Um, you know, what, what did we used to do? Did we we killed we, people or we, we fire people? Banned them. We fired people, right? So we might fire Jackson Vanderbeck. There's actually, the an, on our power. wiki, on our wiki, if anybody's interested, that's plexwiki.xyz. There's a whole list of people who've been fired. Nice. Do, do they come off the list once they're re, or they're un, if they're unfired for whatever reason? Or do they oh, this is a different, this is like when someone's been Austin Bennett ruled, actually, where we oh, wow. can no longer like, done feel like ethical or like good about covering somebody as we as they destroy their lives and the lives of others yeah i don't know if, it, if millennium tower is going to get to that point no. um maybe we'll have a millennium it, tower rule yeah but we but we may have to put it to bed at some point so anyway Be- oh but, bedrock <laughs> maybe if we get there they should have gone there first we wouldn't if you if you dug to bedrock we wouldn't have to put you to bed we wouldn't even talk about the millennium tower <laughs> like even um, the, even the strip club guy doesn't want a doesn't want a condo in the Millennium Tower. Oh God, no! But he might be able to get one cheap. Who knows when this is all said and done? Um, especially because they're they're obviously not going to tear it down, right? It looks like everyone's just too invested in keeping this thing upright. Um, so yeah, it's not coming down anytime soon. Maybe in the next fifty years. So we're going to move on to down ballot watch, which is uh stories that are you know this this is most of the show's uh, political, but this is about specifically uh, generally the public interacting with local government or what has been happening at local government meetings. So our first story is a uh, Oaklanders turn up to protest at a city leaders meeting. We'll call this one the caucasity of hope. East Oakland today, lines of people stretched around a block for a panel on community safety. Oakland Mayor Shang Tao, Oakland's acting police chief, the Alameda County District Attorney were all in attendance, among others. Skate TV's Bailey O'Carroll reports the meeting was chaotic at times. On the inside of a community safety panel today in Oakland, officials gathered to discuss public safety. A time, a time where community does need to come together. But on the outside, it was a different story. 
Frustration as many people couldn't get into the event because it had reached capacity. Oaklanders outside chanted and yelled, demanding that Oakland Mayor. Well, I was wrong about the demographics of the crowd. To address the number of people who were not allowed in the church. That didn't happen. Benita has lived in Oakland for five decades. She's a property manager who's had guns pulled on her multiple times. I don't have any hope. I, I have my own conspiracy theories about what's happening. She was hoping to ask the Chinese. questions, but Benita was one of the people not allowed inside. One of them is, what are you going to do about this, this crime? It's been out of control. She's been in office since January, and it's gotten worse. As a result, many people have called for the mayor to declare a state of emergency, which would give the city more public safety resources. But she's refused. Calling for a state of emergency right now, when, when we are doing everything that this would allow for us to do too, I mean, that, that, let's, just, let's just call it what it is. It's just political theater. Instead, addressing what her office is currently doing, including spending over a million dollars on a citywide camera system, adding eight foot patrol officers, spending a million dollars eight foot tall patrol officers, ambassadors in business districts, and doubling non-emergency responders to allow police to solve crimes. But community members say it's not enough. Bonita says we need Ed 209. Oakland. Yeah, so we're trying to sell some properties and we're getting out of here. We're going to Texas. I need some law and order. In Oakland, Bailey. Bye. <laughs> Bye. New Mexico. I. That's that's great. Have so I sort of have like a like a hypothesis, right? I feel like since like Kick the it. the 80s and the, up to like the early 90s, right? That was when like uh, violent crime in cities had sort of peaked. And I feel like what happened is as it went, it went down, it was you know, precipitous, like a very long term, like downward trend. And I feel like maybe we're at the bottom of that trend. And so it's going to like sort of bounce off of the floor, if that makes sense. And so when it, when it bounces off of the floor and goes up a little bit, people are going to freak out. Sure. Um, and it comes come back. It always comes back to your personal perception, right? Your world, your corner of the world, your block, your space, um, and, and how you're in, in terms of how you perceive these changes. Um, and you know, yeah, the, these are things that change over time, right? The data itself changes over long periods of time. And yet it could just take one incident in your community, on your block, one kid gets run over at the corner where there's never been a stop sign. No one's ever needed a stop sign. Everyone's always, you know, been obeyed the rules and no one's ever gotten hurt before. It just takes one kid getting hurt at that corner and suddenly we're putting in a stop light, you know? Uh, and that's, that seems to be uh, how we you know, react in these, to, to these things and react to crime, react to homelessness, react to the, the sort of um, uh, less desirable aspects of living in a city right that, that surround us all the time and you know part of it also is just being more visible too right and, and and being able to see see it more and more and see it impacting the community and also to have the local news and next door blowing it up every day and making it seem like it's it's more than it really is you hear about the same you go on next door you see the same you know five ten posts about the same police helicopter circling or the same you know car break in oh because they forgot to freaking lock the car by the way you know um yeah it's very reactionary it's 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 disappointing but it's just that's sort of how people perceive this shit unfortunately i think it, in the worst times it was probably like yeah this sucks and now it's like yeah this sucks right because <laughs> everyone perceives it in relation to you know their current status no one really has that 
mo- most people don't take that longer view. And, and there's a lot of money sloshing around um, on <clears throat> the political right where they're able to make a lot of hay about like mm-hmm. the, the small increase in uh, crime in cities. Um, and, yeah. you know, the Bay Area for since I've been alive has always been like it's kind of had a target on its back sort of proverbially from like the conservative movement, you know, bef- up, up until now they were just telling you to be afraid of all the gays, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, and uh, now they're like, well, that's not really working anymore. So they're like, oh, crime. And it's like, well, you start looking at like this, the, 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 you start looking at big cities and crime. The only one in the Bay Area, and that I think, I think the only one like that reaches the population level that needs to be reached for these surveys in the Bay Area that is in the top 20 is Oakland, and it's barely in the top 20. Then you go on over and you look at Emeryville, and actually Emeryville's got more violent crime per capita than Oakland right now. And I sure. think that's just a blip, actually. I don't think that Emeryville is a particularly dangerous fucking place to live. It's, it's a like it's a blip, right? Yep. But it's it, again, it's just hard to see the blip when it's happening to you in your community, and when you're being fired up, like you said, by these folks who are are engaging in political theater and are doing it for their own reasons, whether they're national forces or local forces around recall, or, or just because they they they're uh, but hurt still that the Shangtao got you know elected mayor and their their person didn't right, um so yeah th- it's that too and in the next story you're gonna see we're gonna see the very same thing where um folks who uh are are being riled up really and and activated and ex- exacerbated by f- political forces that you know really don't care about them they have a big a greater bottom line or a, a larger bottom line or some other bottom line. It has nothing to do with them, but they're being used and um, brought dragged into this fight around, um, you know, housing for folks who who, who need it, right? Um, and the same safety concerns and same things are, are cropping up. So we're going to see a little bit more in this next this next clip from KPIX. Yeah, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, if people want to leave Oakland or San Francisco, okay, then leave Oakland or San Francisco. People, but then people move all the time for all kind of reasons. Like, I don't know, like it, like I know people who moved here. I know people who've left here and it's just like, yeah, people move. Like, I don't like, I don't, yeah. that's, 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 that's one of the things you can do in this country. You can, you don't like where you live. You can pick up and move somewhere else. If you have the means, if you have the means, if you have the means. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll have a story soon. Uh, I, as soon as they have video on it of, uh, surveys of Californians who have left for places like Texas and Austin and all these popular locales that people say they're flocking to. And they're not exactly excited about being there either so uh just the, the grass is always greener right they're like I well now n- now i'm just on next door in a suburb of austin complaining about a person of color right. walking down the street <laughs> the, the grass is always greener and the weed tastes better in, in california so why leave all right so we are going to move up to milbray uh these people are in front of a la quinta and a sushi uh, restaurant looks like they have a real they're having a real rough time of it over there in the mean streets of milbray um, and there's some, uh, they're, I guess, uh, looking to convert an old hotel, I guess maybe a La Quinta into, uh, Correct. some, some, uh, either transitional housing or I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. We'll have to actually, uh, get more of this. Oh, for homeless housing. So we don't like the homeless on the streets, but don't put them in the La Quinta. <laughs> God, no. Did they get a microwave in their room? We begin with a hotel near SFO, which has become a heated battleground in the debate over housing the homeless. Even the mayor of Millbrae joined a group of protesters today. So they're speaking out against a plan to sell the La Quinta Inn on El Camino Real to the county. 
to turn it into permanent housing for the homeless. Wilson Walker reports the concern is what the city might lose by helping out its neighbors in need. From the process the county has used to the purchase price to the loss of the hotel space, opponents have raised a number of issues with this plan and today they marshaled up an actual rally against it right here on the property. We all share a common goal and it's to urge San Mateo County Board of Supervisors to stop the project home key immediately. The contentious purchase of this Millbrae Hotel drew a crowd of frustrated residents angry that the city has not had enough of a say in the county's plan to buy the property. They have raised a long list of concerns about the wisdom of the purchase, even its legality. Donald Kung says it just does not make financial sense when rooms could be purchased at a lower price in other places. An example is a property in Colma that can be purchased and developed with 80 rooms at a cost of 16 million. So you're talking about- Is that property for sale? Property right here. The county has said the hotel would be part of a broader strategy to combat homelessness, promising wraparound services for all residents and benefits for the neighborhood. The current owners say they are ready to sell and the county says that's an opportunity to house those in need no matter where they are from. That's what we started buying hotels. You have wraparound services. They will have leases. They will be permanent residents. They will be shopping here. They will be working here. Uh, they will be part of the community here. So what happens next? Well, this group says they are going to keep the pressure on the county. They have a bus brigade planned for the next meeting on this topic up in Redwood City. That is scheduled for just next week. Up, oh, I know what we're watching next week on uh, on public or the week after next on public comment. Count found more than a thousand homes. San Mateo County Board of Supervisors. County, and that is up twenty percent from twenty nineteen. So, <clears throat> yep, Sam. I just they there's I don't see a problem here. They could also if they're if there's no. if there's a spot in Coma that's for sale that is also good for this. Why aren't they being like well? also coma instead of like they just don't want it there yeah I, 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 yeah I don't know where Mr. Redwood City was coming off with his his whole thing about coma and this other site it's just they, they don't want it at all right they just don't want it there they don't want it in their communities and they certainly don't you know uh, they don't want to really truly help anyone um, I don't like this story for a variety of reasons the first and foremost is that, that it just falls into that same local news uh, you know dialectic again where they simply do they go to the lowest common denominator it's whoever is is holding the rally whoever's holding the protest rally they have the facts they are the ones who are leading the story driving the story right we're relying on them our reporters are relying on them to give us the story and they're not really trying to get the facts or the the, the backup they they and when they say oh county officials say that you know, say this or can officials claim this? It's like, no, no, it's not that they claim this. This is Project Home Key. This is a statewide, state-funded program that is encouraging local municipalities to purchase vacant hotels and turn them into transitional housing for folks who are on the streets or unhoused, right? This is a legit state project and yes, you have to find a site that's suitable. You have to apply for a grant to get the money to do it. And yeah, you have to find a willing property owner and a willing community. And for whatever reason, these folks are just 
anti. They don't want that in their neighborhood. They don't want that in their community, even though it's a perfect spot. It's on El Camino. It's not bothering anybody. It's a La Quinta, for God's sake. It's not as though the folks that were coming to the La Quinta were necessarily the, the whatever, the, the bee's knees or the greatest or the most ethical, you know, mindful people of the community, right? They're just travelers. So at least with this, you're getting people who are going to be, yeah, like the guy said, living in your community, a part of your community, working in your community, shopping in your community. You're going to see them at Safeway. So you know, uh, or wherever you, you decide to shop, TJ's or whatnot. I don't know if these guys are going to TJ's. Um, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it's, it, it's smacks of just this narrative of, we, we sh- yeah, we want to help people, but anywhere but here. And like, I, like you said about the location, it's not, it's like right along like a thoroughfare. So yeah. it's yeah. people who can get to work. There's bus lines. There's like, it's El Camino. It's like Caltrain. Everything. It's perfect. It's a, it's the ideal site. So, this is just another. It, it's it's again. It's I I put it on these folks who are actually engaging in the protest and this mayor, whoever it was of Millbrae, participating in this protest. I do put the onus on them because they have to just be smarter and better people. Um, but they're also being used and manipulated by PACs and powers that be and apartment associations and realtor associations and other people that are you know, uh, dead set against these kind of projects, right? Um, and dead set against this kind of work. So uh, it, it it's unfortunate that they're being dragged into it, but I don't give them any sort of excuse, right? You have to, you know, you should know when you're being manipulated. Another thing I notice is that we never, like when one of these sites gets put up or uh, when one of these sites gets implemented, right? We never hear from uh, the news talking to the community 18 months after it gets uh, implemented, right? The news mm-hmm. never goes back mm-hmm. and talks to the community about, oh, is this thing there? Nope. They're like, oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> you know, most of the people be like, huh? <laughs> yeah, when they only go back when someone complains or if something goes wrong, right? Um, that's the only time you hear about it again. You don't hear about it when it's actually implemented because lo and behold, these things actually solve um, problems. They actually reduce crime. They actually get people off the streets. They actually improve our economy shocking <laughs> they save us money tag they save taxpayers money shocking um but no most a lot of people some folks some folks just don't want to hear it and those folks are being manipulated by the folks who don't want it right yeah it's 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 fucked up because it just seems like well they're like well don't put it in the suburbs and so then they try to not put it in like a suburban neighborhood it's right there on el camino where there's just all kind of business and it's right. you know going to be more dense than the surrounding area. They're like, well, don't put it here either. And it's like, well, okay, now I'm now I'm starting to get the picture, right? <laughs> now yeah. I'm starting well, to get know, the picture. Well, you know where else they don't want to put it? Apparently, VTA doesn't really want to put it on any vacant land near their properties either, because you know danger. That's the next story. That's wild. Let's see what's going That's on what with VTA say, versus San, San Jose here. South Bay city leaders are working to help those struggling to make it in the Bay. There's a big push to dramatically increase transitional housing in San Jose, but it's getting a lot of pushback. Our business and tech reporter Scott Budman joins us in the newsroom to explain what's at stake. Showing off their fucking studio again. Oh, good evening, Jessica. San Jose says it's about halfway to its goal of 1,000 interim housing units to help get people off the street permanently. But the latest location where the city hopes to build 200 of those units is causing a little bit of friction between the city and the owner of the land. 
This plot of land is, according to San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan, crucial to the city's efforts to curb homelessness. To transition people out of our streets, out of our creeks, save lives today. The city wants to build interim modular housing, so-called quick build communities, here on part of the VTA-owned Cerrone Yard near 237 and Zanker Road. The goal? create a viable path to transition people to full-time housing. And what we found is that when we, when we can get people out of encampments stabilized in a quick build modular unit with on-site services, we have security, case management, job training, job placement, it works. People stay off the streets. The units would be similar to these, currently going up near San Jose Police Headquarters. But VTA says it's worried about efforts to build the next wave on this particular plot of land. We do have concerns relative to the specific site at Cerrone. Saying VTA supports the mayor's goal to build more transitional housing and will be part of the solution. But this site, they say, is problematic since it specifically will be used to move the agency's bus fleet to EV status. The support of infrastructure that's needed to charge all those buses, and basically they need to be charged at the same time, is very extensive, and it takes space. All right, so where does all this stand right now? Well, the housing issue is set to come up tomorrow night at 6.30 during the VTA monthly board meeting. VTA says during that meeting, they will offer up other VTA-owned sites where they say building transitional housing is a better fit. Jessica, we are told public comment is welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Shout out to our uh, post-game show there. So if they need some of that space for infrastructure for uh, doing the EV buses, You'd think they could just hit up the city and be like, okay, we're, we're willing to work with you on this, but here's like, we need this space. You, we, yeah. we can give you, you know, we can work with you on this, but we're going to need to build out some stuff for the EV um, bus stuff. And we're going to need, you know, we're going to need, uh, we don't know what's going to kind of go on as people move in there. So we're going to need to make sure that this, we're able to secure this location, you know, and they could even lie and say so that nobody gets electrocuted and shit. Right. <laughs> like, cause they don't need that whole space. Yeah to put in like more robust electrical systems. That was a big fucking lot, but they, if they need some yeah. of it, sure. We, yeah, we need some of this space because we need to make, you know, build out the electrical system here for, uh, for the buses. Like you think that they could just, but that's, that's the thing is I, I'm thinking there's like something else, something else going on here. Well, the segment is called down ballot watch. So, um, there, uh, yeah, Absolutely. You have hit upon the practical solution for what could be done, right? Um, but what's going on here is politics. And it's so layered that uh, you really almost need like a PhD in local Santa Clara County politics to understand it. Um, but what's happening here is multi. So you've got San Jose City, right? Um, you've got Mayor Edgerton, and he has made a pledge. He wants to clean up our streets. He wants to get people off the streets, right? He wants to get them into quick build transitional housing. That's his number one thing, right? He doesn't care about uh, permanent housing, permanent supportive housing. He doesn't care about affordable housing. He wants to get people off the streets so he can say to all the people who voted for him next year when he runs for re-election, I got all the people off the streets, right? So he made a, he set a goal of a certain number, he wants to hit that number. He wants to hit that number of, of units in the pipeline of these these uh, modular, which is fine, you know, transitional units. They're good, they're solid, they, they can be done really well and really high quality and actually help people. But that's his goal, right, is to hit this certain number. This project is part of hitting that number, hitting that goal. So he's, you know, going for it. Uh, the VT VTA, which owns the property, 
is managed by a board of directors that comes from that's called from elected officials in all cities throughout the county, right? And San Jose actually has a good chunk of them. I think like four, four or so council members, including the mayor, sit on VTA's board. So you've got a VTA that's run by San Jose, but also all these other cities, all these other cities who, you know, are are, are sick of San Jose sort of running the show, right? So they're already like geared up to to sort of oppose anything San Jose is really pushing down down the pike, and. On the VTA board, you also have County Supervisor Cindy Chavez, who ran against Matt Mahan for mayor two years ago, ostensibly is still thinking about running against him again. And despite the fact that she is a housing champion, a housing advocate, she is seen at least widely as a housing advocate and a housing champion. We know from watching Down Ballot, you know from watching Down Ballot, that uh, appearances are not always what they seem. And when political wins you know, tug this way and that, you know, support for you know, housing solutions and criminal justice reform and any other progressive sort of issues tend to take a back seat to political expedience. And so uh, Ms. Chavez more than likely would like to see Matt Mahan not hit his goals, right? Um, and she can couch that in, well, we need more affordable housing and more permanent solutions. But really, she wouldn't be all that upset if he didn't hit his goals for these these units, right? And on top of that, uh, you know, she's also dealing with her support from labor unions and the, the ATU, the transit workers who uh, are VTA's employees for the most part. They're the ones expressing concerns about safety and other issues um, by having a site where you're going to have folks who are now housed, by the way, they're no longer homeless, but housed people, um, you know, living who are recently homeless and their their concerns about safety. And she is vocalizing those concerns um, as a, a means of sort of stalling or derailing this project when, again, ostensibly she is a housing champion. So you've got so many different uh, winds pulling so many different ways. And unfortunately, as always comes down, and I want to get to, I want to move on because we, we do have to get to the end of the show here at some point, but uh, as what always seems to happen is that the folks who get left out and who are getting screwed by all this political gamesmanship are the very people who are trying to help, the people who can't help themselves, the folks who are on the street, who do need this housing, who do need these solutions, right? Or the people who are on the verge of becoming homeless, right? And that's the real tragedy is that we're having these back and forth battles and nothing's getting done to actually, well, I mean, some things are getting done, but it's so slow and it's so methodically painful um, to get anything done to, to, and that's why we see dents made in this, these numbers, because we're not going to, we're not going to get any really substantial solutions until we stop bitching with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Like I didn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't know. aware of the, uh, the specifics there, but that, that does make a lot of sense. I just, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I I mean I'm I'm okay with this transitional housing, but also that also looks like a decent spot for an apartment building. <laughs> like, right. It could, it could it. be a lot of things. But and you're right. Like you're right. If, if people just got together and collaborated, right? Whether it's this or it's the fairgrounds or it's raging waters, right? We could have some really amazing projects. We could really do some cool shit, right? If people just came because there's a lot of smart people around here. There there are, and there's a lot of money behind good projects. It's just. It, it doesn't seem to all come together because of politics. And that's that's why we're here. We're trying to cut through all that shit. So hopefully, uh, you know, listener, you can spawn another listener and you can we can take back San Jose's politics for people who know what's really going on and what and really want to solve things and really want to get things done instead of having little fights. Now, from the hyper uh, from the hyper local to the national, um, it looks like a certain uh, House member is uh, deciding to uh, run for reelection. And um, 
I have some thoughts. We'll let the we'll let the we'll let Fox Two tell us about it, and then uh, I have some thoughts. Sounds good. Down. I'm Greg Lee. With the announcement, the 83-year-old Congresswoman ended any speculation about retirement plans and the jockeying to replace her. KTV's Zach Sauce live in studio with more on why she says she's seeking another term. Zach. Greg Pelosi making that announcement in San Francisco earlier today. The former House Speaker says she is running to help safeguard democracy in Washington and to fight for her constituents at home. The um uh, needs that our, our city have right now really call for me to stay another term. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi addressing her decision Friday to seek another term in Congress in 2024, helping San Francisco's economy rebound and addressing the city's fentanyl crisis top of mind. The fact is we do have a, an isolated situation in the uh, downtown San Francisco in the Tenderloin that if it, there is crime, and there is violence and there are drugs, there will be arrest and that's the way it is. But her focus quickly pivoting to the upcoming national election. I am motivated to do everything I can to win this election. I think it's urgent for our democracy, for our, our relationships worldwide. With Republicans now holding a slim majority in the House, 222 to 212, political science professor Steve Wolpert says Democrats are now hoping to regain power. She is um, the best fundraiser they've got, um, and so she will be a great help to uh, members of Congress running for re-election from her party. But her announcement at age 83 comes as several other high-profile lawmakers have faced added scrutiny over their age, among them the president himself at age 80, 90-year-old Senator Dianne Feinstein and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. With McConnell and Feinstein, there are... Mm, they didn't mention McConnell's age. It's about their ability mm. to do the work. But I've not heard Odd. any rumors or thoughts that Pelosi isn't still sharp as a tack. Jake Grumbach, an expert on the role of age in Congress, also weighing in on Pelosi's decision. This is not a shock. The U.S. Congress is the second oldest legislature in the world after Cambodia. In the U.S. constitutional system that places a real premium on candidates' ability to raise funds and have repeat voters and do constituent services, incumbents very often win, especially when you are historically a party leader, as Nancy Pelosi has been. Meantime, Pelosi's announcement means that others in the party who had hoped to run for her seat will have to wait their turn. San Francisco State Senator Scott Weiner, who has said that he would run if she retired, saying in a statement, in part, it's a good thing for San Francisco and the nation that she will continue to serve her community. But again, definitely shaking up the landscape for 2024. She is a prolific fundraiser and has already raised a ton of money. Zach Sauce in studio for us tonight. Zach, thank you. Some of two minds of this. On this, uh, politically, it's probably smarter for her to run again because of the uh, the narrative about San Francisco. And there might be a way in which if she were to retire this time around, it would be painted as San Francisco's representative admitting defeat, blah, 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 blah. Your city's a shithole. But also, and I don't know if it would be Scott Wiener necessarily, but I think it's time it's time for somebody new in that position. San Francisco is not a city of 84-year-old women. And that district probably trends younger than I think other other districts, and so I think that oh, most likely, I think that we would uh, we would be well well served by uh, somebody new. I don't know who it would be, but uh, we'd be well served by someone new.
Well, we'll find out sooner or later. There's going to be a scrap for that seat at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not surprising that Nancy's getting back in. I mean, good on her for following through on her pledge to step aside from the speaker role, right? Um, I think that was a step in the right direction. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it didn't really help much in terms of the Democrats a few years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, we do need fresh leadership. We need new eyes and new perspectives. Um, that, again, all that being said, she's a freaking stalwart. She's a champion. She's She knows what she's doing. She knows how to kick ass and take names. And there's, you know, there's a lot of experience there. There's a lot to be said for experience. I don't always subscribe to, like, you know, supporting the incumbent at all, right? I, I, I'm usually about, you know, let's get some fresh blood in there after a while. I don't like ter term limits necessarily, but um, I do like the idea of, of cycles. Um, that, uh, in this case, you know, the experience that she has is really helpful for, I think, younger members and new, newer members. Um, so it's good that she's sticking around, um, and fighting the battle. Um, and hopefully we'll put a dagger in Trump's heart this year and we can move on. Well, I think on. that the experience probably lies in her staff, right? She's probably had staffers there for 10, 15 years who really know what the fuck they're doing. She, I mean, she, she, to be, in, again, this is very unique to Nancy herself, to Miss Pelosi, but she's been in the trenches herself from way back. She was a party leader. She was a local party leader. She has cut her teeth at quote unquote, you know, at every level. So she's done the things like, so she, I, it may be at this point, maybe, you know, I don't know how sharp she is. I, you know, I'm running around her all day, every day. Um, but he, I, I guarantee you that her staff is num is top notch. Absolutely. And she would never get anywhere without them. But I, she, more than most politicians, let's just say, more than most people in her position and her longevity, um, still have have the experience and the knowledge and the wherewithal to to really um, to play hold their own and play and play their own game. Well, we've gone a little long tonight, but that's fine. Eh. We're not up against it like we used to be for local love here, so uh, it's it's all good in the hood. We don't actually have a start time for uh, for the public comment show, which everybody should check out afterwards. Tune in. Um, yeah. we're going to be doing Roanoke, Virginia this, uh, this week, I believe I heard things went a little potato at their school board. So, uh, nice. nice. And upcoming San Mateo County, apparently board of supervisors. We'll get, we'll get that going real soon. So uh, it looks like, uh, it looks like old Gov governor Gavin Newsom has an opportunity to sign a bill that has passed, uh, California's legislature to decriminalize uh, certain uh, psychedelic drugs. And I, I, for one, even though I don't partake in any of this stuff anymore, I, for one, hope he signs it because I don't, I don't want people going to jail for having a pocket full of shrooms. I think it's stupid. We'll, we'll see what the chances are. From KTVU. Psychedelic drugs could soon be decriminalized here in California under a new bill that's heading to the governor's desk. The bill that passed the state Senate yesterday would allow possession and use of a few naturally occurring psychedelic substances, including the ingredients in hallucinogenic mushrooms. The bill would also allow more research to be done around these drugs. State Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco, who wrote the bill, says there's evidence that they can help people suffering from addiction, PTSD, depression, and anxiety. When people are, you know, have and are using, you know, personal use of mushrooms for whatever benefit they're getting from it, we shouldn't arrest them. Uh, and we know that these substances have significant potential health benefits like any substance people need to be educated and careful now the bill would penalize possession on school grounds or giving it to someone under the age of 21 some critics though say the law will lead to more people driving under the influence governor newsom has until october 14th to sign or veto this bill if he signs it it would go into effect in 2025 and the
Yeah, I hope he signs it. Um, there are already, yeah, you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, there are already enough, like, no, no, th- there are already laws around, um, driving under the influence. There are already laws around giving uh, drugs or alcohol to people under the age of 21. There are already robust laws yes. about drugs and alcohol and uh, tobacco on school campuses. So this isn't yes. really going to supersede any of those laws. And if it adds additional, if it adds additional punishment for that shit. Well, um, I mean, I'll take the trade off, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is not fear and loathing in Las Vegas out there. There's no one who's like popping mushrooms while they're, driving a car like that the last thing i'm when i'm high on mushrooms that were when i've been high on mushrooms this is many 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 years ago the last thing i actually thought about was getting into a car <laughs> like that freaked me out that actually scared the thought of it scared me like petrified me so i did not get into a car when i now granted we're talking about microdosing maybe and things like that but i yeah i don't know anyone like you know who's like hunter thompson just popping caps you know while they're driving their car through the desert um and if they are, you know, there's ways to deal with them. Like you said, there's already laws in the book. So, hey, good good on them for doing this. I hope Gavin signs it. I hope we can stop arresting people for um, just doing what they want and trying to have some fun and not hurt anybody. Yep. And uh, this week, I think I'm going to go what? ahead and read the show out because your video has been a little choppy and blurry this week. So, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and bring me up in high definition <laughs> so I can close the show out. How awful how uh, awful well good good on video ninja for always prioritizing the audio <laughs> your audio was just fine so the audio audio only people aren't even going to notice anyway everybody this has been that down ballot good. we do this show live every tuesday 7 30 p.m pacific we will be off next week maybe i'll put up a classic episode of down ballot on a ye oldie um podcast feed maybe something from the first 10 episodes you can support this project at patreon.com slash echoplex or at eplex.store. Also, other ways to support can be found at equiplexmedia.com slash support. This is Audible Smoke Signal. Take a quick break. Probably play another song after Audible Smoke Signal. And um, change the color of the lighting in here. Change the contents of my beverage. And we'll be back for public comment. We're going to be checking out a Roanoke, Virginia school board meeting this week. Peace out, everybody. Enjoy. It's Friday night, I think it's time to get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing Queen to get the fuck up on stage and like the scene Yeah, we do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, what we wanna do, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car. 
to smoke another one Find another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Another joint now, who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now, inside, motherfuckers is rocking me. And outside, shit, we smoke a lot of rockin' Rockin' the rolly, you're the sexy girl, be jockin' me. Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin'. We do what we want. And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with the band and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Echoplex has a 24-hour stream? That's right. Check out our 24-7 music stream at echoplexmedia.com live or at eplex.xyz. Our huge self-submitted local music library plays the best tunes the Bay Area has to offer, ad and commercial free, well, except for ours, and even by request. Check out the player on echoplexmedia.com or at eplex.xyz. Bookmark it and enjoy it all day. Echoplex is very supportive of our local music scene, and we hope you enjoy the soundtrack they've so graciously sent in for us to play on our network. If you like who you hear, please go check them out. The names of the artists are displayed on the player at echoplexmedia.com and at eplex.xyz.